for the book of Genesis chapter 25, and then put your thumb there and turn to Hebrews 12. It's wonderful to have John and Christina with us. John and Christina Ard here on the second row. I call them lifelong members of Christ Chapel. They moved away, but this is still home, and it's wonderful to have you here and your baby with us as well today. Um, I've just got to get this out of my system here before we preach. I read on the internet this week, I was just sitting at my desk. You ever do this and have an epiphany? You just read something and you go, <gasps> yeah. It said, it come up on my screen, first day of summer. I thought, then what have I been doing the last six weeks before this first? Oh my goodness. It was so hot in our house, the dogs had scratched why in the yard. Just, just anyway. For those of you cold-natured people, enjoy. Okay, Genesis 25, verse 29. Continuing our summer series about our walk with the Lord. And before I read this text, I must tell you this. I just, I want to thank you, a sincere thank you. This isn't out of obligation. I have pastor friends that if they ever take a Sunday off to be with their family, uh, they pay for it with direct and indirect innuendos. And um, we'd already scheduled, of course, uh, Jason to minister and I had vacation. And if a pastor has to preach that following Sunday, it's on his mind all week and he's zoning out and preparing. And that I get to pastor in a place where I could be there every day and every night for my babies. And then of course, Pastor Wade did a wonderful job. Uh, if you're new to our church, I want you to know there's just nobody that loves preaching more than me. I'm not looking for reasons to miss. If I'm ever not here, I'm with my family. But I, I want to thank you for that grace that's mine and that I didn't have any emails waiting on me when I got back. So thank you very much. Genesis 25, beginning with verse 29. And Jacob made pottage or soup. Esau came from the field, Esau being his brother, and he, Esau, was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray, with the same red pottage that you are making, for I am very hungry, I'm faint. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, in essence, I'm going to paraphrase here, I'll sell you a bowl of soup. Sell me this day, or let's trade this soup for your birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore to him and sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised, which means he disesteemed, he desecrated, made unholy, minimized, diluted, polluted the idea of his birthright. Hebrews 12, 15 through 17. Looking diligently, you're to look diligently, lest any one of you fail of the grace of God. God's grace will not fail you, but you can fail the grace of God. Lest any brood of bitterness spring up trouble you and many be defiled. Lest there be, notice how he groups this together. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel or of meat sold his birthright. That word meat means a meal. So God groups a fornicator of, of physical immorality with the profane person from which we get our word profanity. So if I were to curse you or curse you, I'm minimizing who you are. And he said, Esau, just like a fornicator, minimizes their body, minimizes the idea that they're made in the image of God. They just give their self away for a one night stand or for a meal or for companionship. And Esau, who for one meal sold his birthright, and you know that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. By the grace of God this morning, I want to speak to you on a subject not often heard in churches these days, regretfully, and that's on desecration. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, honor God with both your body, your mind, your soul. Honor the Lord. Consecration, set it apart. 
And I want to talk about how there is a little bit of Esau in all of us. And I don't want you to fail of the grace of God. I want you to be careful that we don't take something like a bowl of soup, watch, that is allowed. It's not sin, it's allowed. But it's elevated in value and the things God give us, given us is minimized and we swap out eternal for temporal. Let it not be said once among us. Let's root that joker out of us, okay? Father, I just present myself before you today. Um, you know me inside and out. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. My days are all written in your book. And um, I'm just humbled that you would allow me to be a preacher of your word. And I just repent of any traces of this man in me. I don't want them to be there. I ask you to let me see them as clearly as you see them. Convict us by your spirit, Lord. We're not looking to feel good. We're looking to be near you today. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm trying to be near you, Lord. And so just give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a humble heart. We know that you desire truth in the inner parts of who we are. And let us leave today with a slain Esau and a living Jacob, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. When I read a story about Esau, many things happen in my mind, but as a preacher, as a student, as a disciple, as someone that loves to hear good preaching, I wonder if many of the modern day contemporary preachers have ever read this story because in their theology, it always works out. God always covers, God always compensates. And let me tell you, the grace of God is limitless. There's forgiveness for sins when we repent and turn from them. But we'll find in the life of Esau that he was not repenting of his sin. His repentance that the Bible says later afterwards he repented. He sought it with repentance, but there was no room founder of him. He wasn't looking for forgiveness. He was looking for the birthright, the profit, the monetary profit. And that window and door closed. So what this teaches us is not that our sins can't be forgiven when we repent, but there are intentions and designs and blessings in the life of the believer, material last, spiritual first, that are forfeited by us maximizing or elevating, I should say, the value of things on this earth and minimizing the things in heaven. Who would sell a birthright that came with it the Father's blessing, uh, twice the monetary value of any of the other kids, and the chance to be in the lineage of the coming Messiah for a bowl of soup? Hey, I've been pastoring a long time. I've been ministry 30 years. I've seen people sell out their walk with God for a lot less. Companionship over a cup of coffee, sexual pleasure, uh, greed, monetary success. I'll, I'll talk to people. We're picking up. We're moving. We're going so-and-so. I said, have you, have you found a church? No, no. We'll, we'll find one when we get there. And I go, what? Well, pastor, you have to provide for your family. I know. I got to provide spiritually before I ever provide materially. And yes, I'm supposed to provide materially. So I just asked the question, how does one become an Esau? I, your pastor is a very simple man and I, I do things by line. And I just said, if I just, maybe if I don't do what he did, or if I was not who he was, I may not end like he ends. First of all, how could Esau throw it all away? How could he sell his birthright for a bowl of soup? How could he desecrate the holy plans of God for his life for something temporal? First of all, if you're taking notes, number one, it was birthed in his thought life. What you think on and how you think is a good indicator of what your tomorrow will look like. Now, Contrary to Pentecostal charismatic, especially word faith theology, my thoughts do not create reality. You're not a creator. God's a creator. 
but it's impossible for me to walk where I'm not looking. And what you think on all during the day, Proverbs said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, which means that that's a good indicator of his true self. Let me give you an example. It's no offense to you country music people. I just, you know, hey, it's like mental illness set to music. But uh, you just play it all day and play it all day. And he's acting single. She's acting single and I'm drinking double. And, uh, you know, she done found her another man and I got to start over and, you know, and get to the end of the day and you go, I'm depressed. I don't know what's wrong. I just can't seem to shake it. Nothing's happened. And you go, as a man thinketh in his heart, you play hard rock or heavy metal all day. You get home and you just want to kill something, you know, just you're agitated and you're just shaking. You're just trembling. You do know that music has a spirit connected. You do know that. Look at the different styles of music. And there's uh, desecration of women. There's desecration of the family. Hallmark got a spirit. You didn't know that, but it does. You watch a Hallmark movie, and this man won't give his wife the time of day, but that guy at work bought her a coffee, and it's what she's been needing and wanting. And before you finish with the movie, you're rooting for her to leave her husband to go be with Joe because Joe bought her a cup of Joe, I guess. (laughs) Whatsoever things are true, honest, pure, lovely, of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Let Christ, his word, fill your mind and heart. Now, without going into great detail, there's a a book in the Apocrypha which is not accepted as divinely inspired, and I do not accept it as divinely inspired, but there are historical works that when Men in the Bible and Christ refers to, or authors in the Bible refer to these books, it means that they at least gleaned history from them. Let me tell you one of the things about uh, Esau that could be true historically. The Bible doesn't tell us, but it records it in history. That Esau and Jacob's father offered to send them away to learn the things of God from a priest. Let me see where that verse is. For those of you that would like to look it up, I got ahead of myself. That happens sometimes. Yashur 28, 17. It said, Isaac sent Jacob to Shem and Eber's house to learn Jehovah's ways for 32 years, but Esau was not willing to go. What we know about him can be found not just in him selling his birthright, but what's not mentioned. No mention in the Bible of him loving the things of God. Jacob was a rascal. But he loved the Lord. He loved. See, God picked fights with Jacob. He didn't fight with Esau. Why? Because he knew what was in Jacob and he would wrestle with him to bring it out. Esau was, it's not that he was immoral. It's that he was base. He was just earthly. The here and now. There was nothing to wrestle out of him. By God. Where were the things of God in Esau's priorities? No mention of them. Where were the people of God and his preferences? No mention of them. How did the promises of God measure up to him uh, with him against the pleasures of this world? What was his daily and uh, described leanings in the scripture? Temporal or eternal? Comfort or cause? Pleasures or purpose? Was he controlled by the impulses of the flesh or divine impulses of the spirit? Esau was a fleshly man. And see, we're in such a sexually charged, sexually inundated society that when when we hear anything about uh, being tempted or carnality, the carnal man, we think sex. No, it means flesh, what flesh wants in the moment. Flesh always screams louder than the spirit. The spirit is soft, still, small voice. The flesh says, that, now, that soup, that person, that job, that car, that house. I want that emphasis on I and that. How do I know if something's the flesh? It always says now. The flesh doesn't say, two weeks ago, two weeks from tomorrow, I'm going to eat a rack of ribs. 
It's always at lunch. And I might even get an early lunch. I'm going to get a rack of ribs. So what's your thought life? Let me summarize this first point. You may not be doing immoral things, but if your thought life is base, by base I mean now, temporal, earthly, common, and your affections aren't on things above, you will, you will eventually start to swap out eternal riches for temporal trinkets because God is not primary in your thoughts. See, when you walk with the Lord and the older you get in the Lord, you realize the closer you are to heaven and there's nothing in this world you can carry with you. And, you know, the world is like the little two-year-old. The world without a God mind, a God heart, God-centered. You give the two-year-old a $150 present and they're in the floor playing with the bubble wrap. And you go, I paid $150 for that. It wasn't on sale. And you're just, you're, you're just playing with bubble wrap. That's what the world does. Temporal things pop in little bubbles when God says, these things, this birthright I have for you. And we'll get to this in just a moment. It's going to get really, I believe, good if you're a student of the word here. These things God has for you. Mama, you told me the day, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love them. But God's revealing them unto us by his spirit. Don't swap out anything eternal for something temporal. You lose. I don't care how it's packaged, how it's presented, you lose. And if God's blessed you with material things, wonderful. But understand, that's the bubble wrap. The eternal riches are invisible. The eternal riches are invisible. Number two, this is where the meat of the message is this morning. How could Esau throw it all away, desecrating the holy in his life? You'll find it in his words. The Bible tells us in Matthew 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All I have to do is listen to your words. If I'm around you long enough, just listen. If you want to know who someone is, just listen. Just listen. It'll come out in their words. Okay. Keep your Bible open to Genesis chapter 25. I want you all to turn there. We'll be on, can we put that on the screen, guys? Genesis 25, 30. And I'm going to go through these quickly. He was a man governed by his appetites. Let's look at his words. Genesis 25, 30. Feed me, I pray you, with that same red pottage. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating a meal, but watch this. If, if this is pattern, then you'll see problem. If this is pattern in your life, you'll see problem. Immediate desires, specific desires, desperate desires, consuming desires. Feed me, I pray you. Only time I ever remember reading Esau saying pray about anything. He's like, I'm begging you, feed me that. Don't you think it's strange, or do you find it strange that Christ, when he said, if you want to come after me, if you want to walk with me, to follow me, walk beside me, the first thing you have to do is deny yourself. That's, that's the first step. You can't get past that. You don't walk with God. And our series is about walking with God. If you're controlled with, hey, that smells good. That looks good. That feels good. I want that. I need that. I must have that. If that's a controlling lust, it doesn't have to be over immoral things to be base. Base is the difference between a base truck and a, a platinum truck's about $35,000. Base means you got wipers and air conditioner. That's what you got. Base means bottom level. He was controlled by impulses. Earthly impulses. That's what carnal means. A carnal man means uh, I, I'm controlled by what I see. Like a carnal man, maybe this will bring perspective. If they don't see change coming on the horizon, they're controlled by an earthly impulse. I don't see it. I don't see anything coming, so now I'm worried. You see, carnal is of this world. And we can be hungry and make it. You remember we talked about Ruth and Elimelech and how he left the will of God because it was a famine and then he died in the place full of bread? 
We can't be controlled. You've got to learn to tell yourself no. That's where fasting comes in. Fasting is not how you twist God's arm to get him to answer your prayer. It's how you beat your body into subjection. You tell it no. They told me when I first started fasting, after three days, you won't be hungry. I said, no, I was just hallucinating. Not hungry, not a problem. You tell your flesh no, no, no. So that when the big things come, you can tell them no. If you can't tell soup no, you won't, you won't tell your body no when it yearns for sex outside of marriage, before marriage, or with someone else while you're married. You've got to, you've got to attack that base nature. He said, feed me, I pray you, with that same red pottage. He was a man governed by feelings, for I am faint. So here he is out in the, he's a woodsman, he's a hunter, he's a warrior, and he uh, is making decisions based on his feelings. Now, we all have feelings, okay? Some of us are more sensitive than others. This is not a message about that, but listen to me. We do not base decisions on feelings ever, ever. It's on facts and on information, I am faint. Well, yeah, but that doesn't have anything to do with the decision. And if you're controlled by feelings, if the feeling's strong enough, listen to your pastor. Listen to old brother John this morning. If the feelings are strong enough, you can justify anything. Your feelings will deceive you. He was a man that didn't flee temptation. He said, I am hungry. And listen to what Jacob said to him. Sell me this day your birthright. Why didn't he just run? Why didn't he are you insane? Do you notice what he didn't do? I am hungry. I am starving. That soup smells so good. I pray you, would you give me a bowl of soup? Yeah, give me the most valuable thing in your life today and in the years to come. Why was there not an attack? Why didn't he just whip him? Sometimes you just need to whip your brother. It's okay. It's in the Bible. Why couldn't he just whip him right there or run? Why? Because he, he was not in the habit of casting down vain thoughts that vaunt themselves against the knowledge of God. And when you entertain foolish offers, you will eventually succumb to foolish decisions. Sell me your birthright. Well, Brother John, what are you trying to say? Flee youthful lust. Not negotiate, not consider, not postpone, not rework it, rewire it. Run. I tell new Christians all the time, the secret to a holy life in those early years is distance. Now, don't trust willpower. Willpower works until it doesn't work. Not willpower. Willpower will, anybody else a witness? Y'all are so quiet this morning. Willpower does not work. Anybody else besides me? I mean, it works until it doesn't. Distance, run, flee opportunities like that. If, some, if you're married and someone at the bank makes you feel alive or young, get another bank, get another office. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. We play around it. We fool around it. We, you know, we, we like to be near it because we're not going to partake. Do you know there's a 0% chance of me getting shot in Atlanta this morning? Zero. Because I'm not in Atlanta. Some of you are way too close to the biggest mistake you're ever going to make in your life and you don't even know it. Someone is asking you to trade out Maybe not directly, but indirectly. They're asking you to tra trade out your heritage, how you were raised, what you hold precious, what you've already invested in God, what's on the other side, your legacy, how your children are going to view you for the momentary pleasure of someone that makes you feel young again. I'm amazed at, I'm just going to hit this, I'm sorry. It's not in my notes, but just, of the men who are just fools, 
fools. And when the Bible goes to describe a man, it's, you know, he, he, he goes down the steps to a woman's house who is not his wife. And the Bible says he's like a, a ox going to slaughter. And don't even know, don't even know that the steps lead to hell. And he's has no idea and just goes in and, and sells it all because some young girl at work made him feel young again. And I ain't felt like this in 20 years because 20 years have passed since you was like that. That's why that's my wife's changed. Look at you, catfish. Take out a picture of your 20 years ago. You're twice the man you used to be. <laughs> Fools. Selling out who they're supposed to be. Selling out all they have for a temporary pleasure because he feel, she makes me feel important. She makes me feel heard. Yes, sir, but you stood in front of God and man and said, I will love you and only you as long as I both shall live. So if this one gives me those feelings, which are base level, then I must distance myself so that I don't become a profane person. And minimize the value of the mother of my children so that I might finish my course with respect and integrity. It's quiet, but that's good. So, by the way. And by the way, that woman that'll help you cheat on your spouse, are you that ignorant to think she wouldn't cheat on you? And vice versa. So just thought I'd throw that out there for free. So he was a man given to exaggeration. Verse 32, we're just looking at his words. I'm at the point of death. How many times have I seen this? I just had to jump ship because I was dying. Pastor John, I was dying. He's not your husband. I was dying. He's not your husband. I don't say you have to live in abuse. You don't have to live in neglect and all of those things. No, no, or betrayal or abandonment. But you just don't pick up and move. I'm, di I'm dying. We're dying. We're dying. If I don't, if I don't make a change, I'm going to lose me. You are decaying every day anyway. You're losing you. The inner man's the only thing that's being renewed day by day. But he's a man. If, you, if, you're, if you're open to exaggeration, you can, through exaggeration, justify because what good is a birthright if I'm dead? Do you see the drama in that? So here's Esau, a hunter, a warrior. I have the capacity. I'm, I'm going to draw this out. I'm going for that last little toe on the inside of your shoe, that one corner one. Just watch. I'm going to pull it out here. Not the toe, but the point. I'm going to pull this out. So you've got strength to articulate this whole argument, but you're going to die before we get done because you need soup. You got strength to talk. You walked in here with all your tools and weaponry and you don't put the horses up and all the all the teams but you can't make it to the end of the conversation if I don't have that now <laughs> what good is God's promises if I'm dead oh come on wake up from that mist of deception that you're in if you knew you were being deceived you wouldn't be deceived and the devil walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It can be very bad, but you're not dying. You can be very hungry, but he wasn't dying. He was a carnal man. He said, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? There it is in a nutshell. And I'm going to go through this quickly. Not what an honor it is that I would have a birthright. But tell me how I'm going to benefit from this. That's the charismatic error and the word faith error in their teaching where the scripture is twisted to what it does for you instead of who God is and the opportunity to be with. So what's this birthright going to do to me, for me, if I'm dead? That's the emphasis for him. He was a guilty man. He said, swear to me, look at verse 33. Swear to me this day, Jacob said, and he swore to him. 
He said, tell me, swear to me that you'll give me your birthright for this bowl of soup. Now, I did not know this till I was preparing for this message. But when it said, and he swore to him, what that means is he sevened him. Seven times. He said, I swear to you, you can have my birthright. I swear to you, you can have my birthright. I swear to you, seven times. And when you sell away your future with God, we do it over and over and over and over before it actually transpires. Don't feel sorry for him. Because if you feel sorry for him, watch, you'll feel sorry for you. Don't feel sorry for him and make allowances for him because if you make allowances for him, you'll make allowances for you. All of us have been hungry. All of us have been lonely. All of us have done without. All of us have hit dark times. All of us have had tight times, narrow times, depleted times, confusing, alone, desperate, dark nights of the soul, but not everyone sells their birthright. Sometimes you just hang on and hold on to the integrity in your heart and say, if God kills me, I'm still going to trust him. I'm not negotiating with that which I've committed unto God and that which God has committed unto me. He was a foolish man. He sold his birthright to Jacob. He was a hard man. Look at verse 34. This, this, you'll look over it if you don't catch this. So he sold his birthright to Jacob, and he did eat and drink and rose up. Ate his meal, wiped his mouth, and rose up. No mention of conviction, no falling to the floor, no desperate wailing at the realization of what he'd done, no sorrow, no grief, no vexation of spirit, no sleepless nights, no chasing after Jacob and begging him to uh, let him out of this oath. I was a fool. Please forgive me. He just rose up. This isn't in my notes, and when I, when I preach like this and I feel this, oftentimes it's the Holy Spirit trying to target one person. And I'm not a prophet, but I just want to share this with you. Maybe you're here today and you're just so aggravated that God won't leave you alone about something. Don't you ever ask God to leave you alone. That's the scariest place you can ever be in. Do you know why he didn't chase Jacob down? Because there was no inner voice telling him to chase Jacob down. He ate his meal, wiped his mouth, and rose up just like he always did. I'm satisfied. I'm okay. See, Jacob had a lot more issues than Esau. That's why God dealt with him more severely than Esau. But Jacob had a heart for the things of God. With all his scheming and scamming, he loved God. And Elisha didn't. People will have their tryst during lunch, go back home to their wife and husband, wipe their mouth and act as if nothing happened. They just rise hard-hearted. And what I was trying to say a moment ago is if you are still miserable over sin, Thank the Lord from the bottom of your heart. Thank the Lord that he won't leave you alone about it. That you have to go in and make right. You have to go in and apologize to your spouse or to your children. You have to because that Holy Spirit is the evidence of sonship. Because if you were not convicted, you would be bastards, the Bible said. But because you're loved and cared for, God convicts and says, no, no, no. Not Esau. He was a prideful man. Look at verse 34b. And he went his way. You see that? He he got up and went his way, not God's way. His way. He was a revealed man. He despised his birthright, verse 34c. So this statement, imagine this written in the word of God about you. He minimized and desecrated his birthright. You... And I, who have been born again from above, we have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away for us. You have a name written in glory. You are in him, of him, by him, and he is in you. You have been set apart, sanctified for his glory. And you have an opportunity, just like Esau, 
to be revealed in this, work, in this lifetime as someone that esteems God, the things of God, and the people of God. Now I'm going to hit it closer. This isn't about Christ's chapel. You don't owe me nothing. You don't owe this house anything. But you owe God everything. People that uh, now post-COVID, and there were great concerns. I, I understand all of that, but they just kind of got out of the habit of coming to church or serving. Or they said, I get my church on TV. Uh, time out. Who'd you serve on TV? Who'd you love on TV? Who did you pray for on TV? Who did you disciple on TV? Who did you mentor on TV? Who did you open the door for? Who did you to teach the kids? What part? Oh, I understand. You mean you got some education in the morning and you are now selling out. You can get mad at me. This is not a plug to come to this church. If God didn't send you here, we just go find another church. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, to recruit a crowd, okay? If you don't understand the beauty, pastor, you know, if you don't understand the beauty of being part of a local body, I get to be a part of the body of Christ in this world. The one place where I fit in. The one place where I belong. The one place I can't wait to get to and don't want to leave. And we're going to minimize it for an extra hour of sleep. We go get up at 5 o'clock to go to work and can't get up at 9 o'clock to go to church. Oh, come on, man. We sell it out. Tell the truth. It's so good for you. Who's just tired? In your bones tired. Besides me. My eyes ain't even open yet. Two mountain diet dudes and it's still not open. Tired. The world's run by tired people. If you're the person that makes your decision on what you're going to offer God or be for God based on how you feel or if you're tired, you're dead in the water today. You're dead in the water. It's not an issue of how we feel. It's an issue of how I view him. I love the gathering of God's people. I, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, that's because you're preaching. You don't even know me. Oh, I, I, listen, I can go this morning. I'll go with you this morning. First several years I was saved, I went to church five nights a week. I would scour the paper. Whoever had revival service, I went every night. I just couldn't believe that I could walk in all these different churches and feel God's presence and spirit. I'm high-fiving people I didn't know. How you doing? Good morning. Praise the Lord. How are you? Good evening. And some churches I had to walk out of. I said, Jesus ain't here. I don't know what this spirit is, but it ain't Jesus. But I was hungry for those things. The Bible said he was a rejected man. Said that when it was time to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. He found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. There is always an afterward. He said afterward, after all these years, when it came time to get the birthright, it was gone. After the lust has been satisfied, the gnawing returns afterwards. After the moment has passed and the awareness of what has been done comes crashing in afterwards. When the present evaporates and the future ramifications of your choices rush towards you, afterwards. When regret settles in and settles in to stay, afterwards. When it came time to inherit the blessing, this implies that Esau went to his dad or mom or both and tried to renegotiate the blessing. He was rejected. There was no mention of him repenting of even having the thought of swapping out the birthright. He just wanted the asset. And I'll prove it to you in just a moment. Just a few more minutes here. Number three, it was revealed in his actions. So I told you, how could Esau do this? It was birthed in his thoughts. It was hidden in his words. And it was revealed in his actions. His relationships revealed him. Genesis chapter 26, if you're taking notes, verse 34 it says, and when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith and Bashemoth, the Hittites, as wives. Stay with me. This is rich nuggets here. This is profound. Which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah, his parents. He chose Canaanites who killed the people of God. 
who were gross idolaters. And he married two women who we would say today were occultic. Uh, they could have been uh, Wicca or false religions, worshiping the sun god, moon god, whatever. Just, and, and murderous to the people of God. And Esau married them. Just watch somebody long enough and you can tell by their choices who they really are. Not just marriage, but relationships, business, all those things. You can just follow it. The relationships deceive. How many single people in the house today? Just, all right, I'm just going to shout out to you. Just, are you aware that the dating pool for Christian men and women who are gainfully employed and sane about, are you, are y'all aware of that? I, I read that that's the truth. Oh my goodness. You're like, you tell your dog at night, it may just be me and you catfish. I don't know if we're going to make it. But listen, I've got would be, they're just like daughters to me. And I tell them all the time, I said, you're beautiful and you know it. And you could be married in 10 minutes. You just smile at Bubba and tell him he's the most handsome thing you ever seen. Oh, I can't live without you. I think I love you, girl. You can get married easy. 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 And cook him a meal. Bubba will be putting a Cracker Jack ring on your finger in, in no time. But I can tell a lot by what you settle for and don't settle for. And some of you that are single, your glory is in that you haven't settled. Now, this is not for applause. I'm telling you from almost 30 years of pastoral ministry. For every single person that longs to be married, I can point you to 50 people that married out of the will of God. That's the truth. You just enjoy your singles. You can go to bed when you want to go to bed. You can eat what you want to eat. You can buy what animal you want to buy. You ain't got to check with nobody, baby. You ought to be happy in whatever state you're in, right? And if you're single, be good. Be good. Just shut your door and go, you hear that? Me neither. Thank you, Lord. Just <laughs> Anyway, moving right along. I don't feel that way, baby, but I'm, I'm glad I'm married. <laughs> Kelly and I got into a holy disagreement not too long ago. And I told her, I'll just let y'all in on this. I said, you know you got me. And as she, when I push far enough, she gets this... <sighs> Like if I tell too many jokes or I push far enough and we're having a discussion. I said, you know she got me. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, you know that I know that everybody else knows I ain't going nowhere. I'll never do better than you. She goes, that's right. And she walked out. So <laughs> she won. Where am I going to go? All you old, oh, I know what I was going to tell you. All you old guys flirting around, these young girls makes you feel alive. You better look, you better start dating somebody who knows what a stroke looks like. So you, you don't need to feel alive. You need to know somebody to know how to throw you on the ground and put something under your tongue and keep you alive. That's what I was going to say a minute ago and I forgot. Yeah. Anyway. All right. On that note, Brooke, would you come please? So at 40, he married out of the will of God. Now listen to this in Genesis 27. If you'll pay careful attention here, this is the drawstring that wraps it all together, okay? But you have to focus on this because they're, they're hidden, really. There's, there's not a lot of fanfare made about them. He hated Jacob because of the blessing his father blessed him with. And Esau said in his heart, when the days of my father's mourning are over, I'm going to kill Jacob. What? Your plans. I can tell who you are by your relationships and I can tell who you are by your plans. When all you talk about is where you're going to be in the business world, I can tell who you are. When all you talk about is temporal things, I can tell you're a temporal person. What are your plans? He said, I'm going to kill him. Well, he had rage in his heart, murder in his heart. The dishonoring of his parents would tell me what I needed to know about him. Listen to this, Genesis 28, 8 and, 8 and 9. And Esau, when he saw that marrying the daughters of Canaan displeased his father, 
he went and took the daughter of Ishmael's brother's what is the daughter of Ishmael's son as a wife what Ishmael Abraham's big mistake he said oh if those two made you mad I'm gonna go get Ishmael's son's daughter and marry her you can be offended at me or not Christ is at the door and I'm responsible for your soul I'm responsible sitting there a woman marrying another woman you're both supposed to be Christians and putting it on Facebook and all these other Christians chiming in and saying oh so happy for you you're beautiful that's perverse that's perverse you left your wife to marry somebody else just because she didn't do it for you that's perverse that's perverse and here he is, no, somebody, wasn't there a friend nearby? He said, don't, don't, don't do that. Esau, he didn't marry her because he loved her. You know how base he was? This wasn't about satisfying an urge. This was or a sexual urge. This was about satisfying a, a, a carnal immature. I'm going to grind it in my mom and dad's face. I don't even like the girl. Esau didn't just happen. Our lives are a, choice, a, a, a list of thousands of little yeses and nos. And we're a product of those choices. And finally, it is 20 years later that we learn how could Esau sell his birthright for a bowl of soup. This is revolution, revelational for your pastor. Please write this down. And guys, if you could put this on the screen for me. Genesis 33, 8 and 9. And I'll wait for you. Genesis 33, 8 and 9. I want you to turn there with me, everyone. Tell me when it comes up on the screen, would you? They may not be in the program. I don't know. If you're there, say amen. Genesis 33, Okay, thank you. Genesis 33. This is the point when God wrestles with Jacob and he's going to go back to try to make it right with Esau. Let me tell you what a coward Jacob was. Y'all follow me? So he's going to get Esau and he has, starts getting nerves. So he sends his livestock ahead. So in case Esau slaughters all them, that's the least. So, then he sends distant relatives. Then he sends... His wife and children ahead of him. You talking about a loser? But he still, God was still working on him. He sends his wife and children, and then he comes and falls before Esau. Twenty years. I know you're going to kill me. I, I'm so sorry. And he goes, "What meaneth all this stuff you sent me?" Well, I just, if, in case you were still angry, I just wanted to listen. It's all yours. It's all yours. I'm sorry. Jacob really wanted to repent. He still had issues, but he wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to make it right with his brother. Now read this with me. Esau says, What meanest thou by all this drove which I met? And he said, These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And Esau said what? What? Say it. I got enough. That's all life's about. Long as I got enough, I ain't got to kill nobody. I forget. Hey, no problem. Long as my base nature's satisfied, I'm good. He goes, keep all your stuff, man. Jacob, it was never about you. Jacob, it was never about God. It was never about the things of God. It wasn't about the coming Messiah. It was about me. And if daddy's happy, everybody's happy. And Hebrews says, that's a profane man. He reduced his life to how he was in the moment. And the world is pushing us to live for ourselves, fill ourselves, satisfy ourselves. And as long as you have enough, life is good. But the Bible would teach us that you could be in prison, about to be beheaded. And sing and praise. Hungry. Shipwrecked. Stoned. Paul said we were on the boat and we hadn't seen sun or stars for many days until all hope was gone. 
hyper-charismatics will tell you, God never puts more on you than you can handle. Paul said, we were stressed beyond measure past what we could endure. And all hope was gone. You need to be more positive. I'm positive. All hope was gone. It was that far. Nevertheless, at midnight, Paul and Silas would pray and sing praises to God. It was never about them being full it was about God being faithful and them being faithful to God are you willing to suffer are you willing to do without are you willing to come in from the field hungry and someone else have soup that you don't have and when the world tries to strike a deal all you got to do is turn on God a little bit and I'll give you companionship and I'll give you this and I'll give you status and position you said the Lord is my path and if it's narrow narrow let it be If it leads to emptiness, emptiness let it be. But I will not turn back on the one that bought me. Do not be a profane person who sells out their birthright for a bowl of soup. So as your pastor, grouping myself, I'm sitting with you today. May I ask you a few questions? And I'm going to give you time to just sit before the Lord a minute. What sin are you denying that's there? You know it's there. I had several people involved in a lesbian relationship told me that they were closer to God today than they've ever been. I said, you're a liar. I told them, I'm not your judge. I love you. That's no different than someone committing fornication or a covetous person. I said, you're not close to God. You're deceived. You are justifying the sin that God called sin because you want it so bad and you found pleasure in it and you think because you're happy, God's happy. What sin are you denying? And by the way, one good indicator is if you're doing something today you would have never done when you first got saved, the law didn't change, you did. What lust are you satisfying? What compromise are you justifying? Is there anything in your life today more important to you than that which God has given, promised, and is reserved for you in Christ. I'm not a soup guy. I don't drink coffee. I know, I know, don't hate me. I'm, I'm iced tea and Diet Dew. I like Diet Dew, it's pretty good. I just something about the drinking hot stuff. Why? Fat people don't, I don't I'm already hot. I don't need to be. Just drink Coffee's like soup with no lentils in it or something. It's just hot. I can't, I can't drink it. But, you know, do what? <laughs> you have to have it, you know. But when you do go get soup, all soup is not created equal. The Progresso soup, they told me it was good for me. I got a cabinet full of it. It, it just don't have the uh, that I need. I need some of that Campbell's Hungry Boy Meat Man, you know. Progresso has 70 calories. And the other one's got like 600 calories, you know. But I'm just, not, I'm just not a soup guy. And you go down the soup aisle for the love of everything pure and holy. How many different kinds? Clam chowder, pea, pea, split pea, whole pea, shuck pea, black-eyed pea, uh, chicken noodle, chicken noodle with carrots, chicken noodle without carrots. It's just like, oh, just, you know what it says? Pick a soup, baby. We have thought about you. Find you. And you can go down the aisle and go, oh, that looks good. And... It don't look like the picture. Just thought I'd give you that for free. Whatever that picture looks like on it. Chunks of meat in there. Oh, no, baby. No, it looked like Salisbury steak from S&S found under your seat. About six months and a little cut piece. Anyway, I'm getting there. Hold on. I got I to make it memorable so you can grasp it, so you can get it. So everybody's got a can of soup. And I, I was at the Publix the other day getting the buy one, get one free. So I feel less about wasting the money if I don't eat it. So you got the soup. And I was in line, on the aisle with someone. There was three of us. And each one of us were in a different section. There was a little lady. She was very athletic. She's about 30 in her workout clothes. She's in Progresso. I'm in Hardy Man, Meat Man. You know where the football player sells it on TV? I'm over here. And there was another person down. And I just, I had the thought as I was preparing this message, that memory came back to me and said, there's a soup for everybody. What is the devil cooking for you?
please listen. He knows what smells good to you. He knows what looks good to you. You pour a, a red tomatoey soup. I would go, oh, no, thank you. And somebody else goes, oh, that looks so good. That's why we say, I don't know how they could do that. Well, that ain't your soup. This is what I felt the Lord had for me to share with you. And I know this may sound dramatic, but your life could depend on this question. When the devil offers you your soup, your only thing you need to ask is, what's the cost? Is it integrity with my wife? Is it a legacy I leave for my babies? Does it defame or dishonor the name of Jesus Christ? Do I have to sell out God's plans and intentions for my life? Do I have to compromise the word of God? Tell me what the cost is. And I, you know, some of y'all are wealthier. And you, I can't go to restaurants that don't have a price on the menu. I, I just can't. Because I'm not going to ask you how much all of them are. If you can't tell me what the cost is, I'm going to go somewhere else. And the devil, here it is, will always lie. It'll cost you your birthright, but you're, you're not going to be here for it anyway. Heaven may not really be there. You know, it's just, it's just whatever. I know there was a lot to take in today. But Esau's are everywhere. They're not immoral. They're just not godly. Choose this day who you serve. And in your walk with the Lord, may there be no profane person among you that minimizes and desecrates and devalues the things of God, the people of God, the house of God, the word of God. And once you hear the cost, if it costs any of those things, you say, no, thank you. Deny yourself and follow Jesus. Final words. I don't know what's going to be served at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I know we're going to take communion. <laughs> Can you, have you thought of that lately? When he says, this is my body that's broke for you. I've not drank of the cup since I drank here and I waited on you. What if, the Bible doesn't tell us this and I doubt it will be. What if it's soup and your mind goes back to what the world offered and you don't have to wipe the stain of earthly soup off your mouth to take. Heaven is this close. Christ is this close. Be wise as a serpent, harmless as death. Would you bow your heads this morning? And I just want you to sit and kind of dialogue in the chamber of your heart with the Lord. What I like to do is I don't just think the thought. I'll, I'll say it out loud just enough for me to hear myself. No one else out here. And I'll say, God, and I'll talk to him about that thing. just talk to him I may not be drinking the soup but I'm sitting beside it give you a chance because this is how I was raised a lot of people don't do this anymore I loved it when I visit churches I do it every time when I'm convicted of sin privately I repent there in the car in the store at home in the driveway near the chickens I stop and I repent 
If there's something you're convicted about, I want to invite you just to come stand at the front. It won't take 30 seconds. What's that do, John? It assaults my pride. It says, I don't care what you think. I care about what God thinks. And I'm convicted this morning. And it's none of your business what it is. But it is God's business. And I want to publicly repent of that. And it could be everything from just being close to something to in something. And if that's you, I want you to just come stand around the front with me today. With me today. I just don't want any profane part in me. Just, I don't want any profane part in me, Lord. I'll welcome my friend Quay up here. So outside of last Sunday, how long ago was it I saw you? Probably about 15 years. 15 years. So you was a little boy in our church, JBQ, Junior Bible Quiz. Right. Yeah. And I saw him last week when Wade preached. And you could just tell on his countenance. And I, I hope you don't mind me doing this. I won't make you ask a bunch of questions. I said, did you take some detours, buddy? He said, that's tears, stroke, stain on his face. He said, yeah. I said, you know, God got a GPS in Quay. And he told him, he said, recalculating. <laughs> recalculate. You put recalculate. He said, hey, Quay, come back. He told me last week, he said, I heard your voice in the back. I said, I know that man. I know him. And he said, you heard the Lord's voice too, didn't it? Bringing him back. Setting back on fire. Setting you back on fire. You know what you and I got in common? We got a little bit of soup stain right here. No, we do. And you know what the Lord will do? You know what our parents would do? And before long, it's, it's all gone. And that heart that you had as a little boy is going to come back and going to heal you of all those. See, we'll remember. There's 36 stitches right there in that hand. I remember, but it don't hurt no more. And when God heals and forgives and restores. See, you, you, got, you got to get that man part worked out to be the husband and the daddy. And, and you, can, you can look your babies and I go, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus. I'm glad to see you. I just noticed you back again. Right. Thank you, man. I love you. <laughs> Good. Pastor Wade, come on up.
What a sobering reminder of the inheritance that we have in Christ. Amen. The beauty of that inheritance. But how easily we can throw it away. How easily we can trade it off for something in this world. For he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have filled this house with your sons and your daughters, that today you would quicken our hearts to remind us of the treasures that we hold, the treasures of your mercies, the treasures of your kindness, the treasures of your goodness, the inheritance that you have laid up for us in heaven. If we'll endure to the end, You call us, you challenge our hearts today to endure to the end because he that endures to the end will receive the crown of life. Lord, thank you that you would strengthen our integrity today. Strength, thank you, Lord, that you would bolden and encourage us today in your word, that we would stand strong and bright in your birthright as children, as sons and daughters of God, of the most high God, and that you have filled us with your treasure much greater than anything on this earth. Thank you for that reminder today, Lord. Thank you for the strength of your word today. Thank you for the boldness to go forth in your Holy Spirit and to stand firm in your birthright. Thank you, Lord Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. just want to remind you of our Sunday nights. We don't have Wednesday night, but tonight you'll find us on Facebook live at 6.30. And also, if you or if your kids are going to uh, youth camp, you can meet Pastor Chris back there. There's a lot of things going. We've got on the, we had a picnic schedule for the 11th. We're going to push it to the 18th. So just keep um, in tune to our app. You're going to find a lot of stuff going on there. So love you guys. We look forward to seeing you again.